trust yourself in terms of your ability to be able to take that leap. Welcome to the Confident Podcast with me, Sherry West, and my fearless daughter, Olivia. Season five brings us more conversations with fierce female leaders. We'll be tackling a range of career readiness and leadership topics, ranging from defining your career purpose to leveraging your superpowers and exploring key questions like, is it okay to cry in the boardroom? Episode nine, Trailblazing Innovation and Inclusion, a conversation with April Carr, National Chair of PepsiCo's Women of Color ERG. Welcome, welcome everyone. Hi, Mom. Hey, Liv. Happy daughter, National Daughters Day. Thanks. Please give me some compliments. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you are magnificent, incredible, no, this, brilliant, this kind, awesome Thanks. human. Thanks. I adore Thanks. you. I'm in awe of you. But um, seriously, I was actually thinking about this because. National Daughters Day actually started um, many years ago as a way to bring their daughters to work to really try to encourage daughters oh. to kind of, yeah, to kind of open up the view of of what's possible for daughters. But here I am looking at you, um, you know, on your way to launching and conquering the world. And I'm thinking, I don't need to take you to work because you're going <laughs> to stand on my shoulders. Okay. You've been taking me to work since I was in sixth grade. <laughs> so I think you did a good job with that. That's fair. That's a that's yeah. a that's a good point. Yeah. But no, but seriously, I adore you. I'm in awe of you. And also I'm in awe of today's guest. Um, she's an incredible yes. woman and inclusive leader and has so much to teach us about leaning into women's resource groups. So let's get into it. April Carr is senior director of PepsiCo Digital Transformation. She is responsible for the strategic vision and execution of new technology sectors across PFNA including PepsiCo's co-innovation work with Microsoft, Salesforce, Away, and others. April is the first PepsiCo woman of color ERG national chair and a member of Delta Sigma Theta sorority and the network of executive women. She lives in Atlanta where she serves on various nonprofit boards. Welcome to Confident, April. Thank you. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. And April, I have to say, I'm I'm especially excited to jump into this interview and hear more about your PepsiCo experience because I started my career at PepsiCo in Munaki, New Jersey. <laughs> oh my goodness, I love that! I love it, that. It seems like a lifetime ago, but I have to say that it gave me such a great foundational career experience. And I know since then, I've really come to appreciate that. PepsiCo really churns out a lot of leaders. So Absolutely. I really, in hindsight, appreciate that experience even more. Awesome. Yeah. Once you're a part of the PepsiCo family, you're always a part of the PepsiCo family. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's jump into this. There's, I, I'm just so excited to, to talk to you about your, your career and, and your experience with the women's ERG. But let's start with our question that we always ask everyone. Can you tell us something that Google doesn't know about you? Sure. So um, I've always loved defying the odds and kind of blazing new pathways ever since I was a little girl. So um, I sang on a music education album for Atlanta Public Schools. I wrote my first book. I sang at the National Democratic Convention, uh, performed in a traveling play all by fifth grade. Oh, so. my goodness. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. I mean, you had a whole career by fifth grade and a, a, a complex career. <laughs> yeah. You know, I always like getting my hands dirty and, and making sure that I can tap into all parts of me. So, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. No, what's I have to ask, what song did you sing at the Democratic <laughs> National Convention? Do, do you recall? Honestly, I was a part of an area two honor chorus. And so fun fact, I don't know if you know the music group 112, but several of those uh, folks were a part of that same honors chorus back in the day. And so, yeah, we did kind of a whole medley of songs during the during the convention. Oh, my God. Liv, we're, we're interviewing a rock star today. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. That's amazing. I think that might be the best ever something that sure. you <laughs> and so besides that whole career that you had um, when you were young um can you tell us about your career journey and how you ended up in your current role sure sure so I was actually recruited uh, by PepsiCo right out of college um, after graduating from Alabama A&M University and uh, Harvard Business School summer venture and management program um, I started in Gatorade, our beverages side of the business, negotiating transportation rates for third-party carriers. And from there, really, the rest is history. I've been tapped to take on many leadership roles and various functions, but I have moved with intentionality to build more of like a general manager-based career that allowed me to understand the business end-to-end and really start to drive informed decision-making that led to better results because I knew the up and downstream impacts of those decisions. Um, I've, I've led in times of business acquisition, you know, startups, turnaround operations, transformation initiatives across beverages and foods, and actually moved six times while doing so, mm-hmm. um, all to just make sure that I was able to gain those critical experiences that were all rooted in improving the ways of working for our people um, and also for our business, which really led me to the role that I'm in today in digital transformation. So um, I have a few amazing allies along my career who valued my impacts and me as an individual, candidly, and in turn helped champion my career progression. And I'm grateful for that. And Um, In the digital space, many people think that it's solely about technology, but in fact, it really is truly about the people and how I and my team can make their lives better, easier, you know, more efficient and effective. And digital is simply the enabler to do just that. Mm. Wow. Um, I love that phrase you used, how you've moved with intentionality um, that's, that's an incredible phrase and way to be not, not saying that you necessarily know what your next job's going to be, but that's I'm right. sure you at some point kind of mapped out the experiences that you want to have and the skills that you want to build. Um, that that's just an incredible concept for, for our listeners. So can you share maybe as you've moved with intent, intentionality, something that you consider to be a pivotal moment in your career that has shaped your approach to leadership and innovation? Sure. So when PepsiCo acquired our Quaker, Tropicana, Gatorade divisions, this was earlier on in my career. Um, I was tapped to to start up a new customer business center in Maryland, and that included our Tropicana business. 
at the time. Um, I was less than two years out of college. Uh, I asked, I, I, I was asked to gain learnings from a team that would be transitioning to development um, in a newly expanded customer business team. And ladies, I tell you what, it was the first time in my professional career dealing with change that massive. And mm-hmm. um, it was the first time that it involved the need for heightened sensitivity to the impacts of that change on people's lives, not just professionally, but personally as well. Right. And um, it was truly a pivotal moment for me because it taught me humility and it taught me empathy while learning in a very real, hands-on way that I will carry with me and cherish. And um, candidly, it also shaped my approach going forward in life, in leadership, innovation, and business overall. Because as a result of taking that posture of being humble, um, mm-hmm. learning, everyone worked together uh, for the greater success of the collective which was pretty amazing to see and be a part of. I love that, um, that example, April, because recently I've mentored a number of college age women who came through our she works program and were given full-time offers that required a geographic move. And that was very scary for them and difficult and unknown for them, you know, how to process that. And so I love your story about, you know, taking the leap, basically what you just described, taking a leap into the unknown, which, you know, in your case also required a geographic move and look at the, the skills learned. And, you know, you're talking about this as a pivotal moment that shaped your leadership approach. I mean, that's incredible. And if you hadn't taken that leap, um, you know, where would you be? So that's, I love that story so much. Thank you. No, you're, you're spot on, right? You, you, there's different life stages where you've gone or not. um, But there's there's only specific things and specific areas that you may be able to actually attain, um, but tr- trust yourself in terms mm-hmm. of your ability to be able to take that leap. Mm, I love that. I'm I'm putting that in quotes. Trust yourself to take that leap. <laughs> yeah, I think the um, resilience in the face of change, learning is so important, especially for young people such as myself. Yes. I mean, when you're just getting started, you have to be resilient and adaptable because those you're going to face a lot of change. And yes. as you said, that helped you so much um, with your career, um, specifically in terms of innovation, which I think is so important. I think a lot of companies, a lot of people are constantly striving for innovation. Mm-hmm. And for you, who's someone deeply involved in innovation, what advice do you have for individuals or companies looking to foster culture of innovation within their organizations? Like, how do they do that? Yeah, yeah. So I always like to relate back to experiences. So um, within my career, I was also tapped to lead a, a, one of my first distribution centers. And um, with that team, they were a turnaround operation. So coming into the new environment, we had a few obstacles uh, to overcome. So one of the first things that I asked the team was, how they wanted to tackle and solve those problems that we were facing together. And honestly, you would have thought I would have, I asked them to give up their firstborn. (laughs) They looked (laughs) at me so puzzled and I couldn't initially understand why. Uh, But as I started to think about it and unpack it a little bit more, I realized that 
they had never been asked their thoughts on how to solve opportunities. Mm. They were just told what to do. So after helping them understand that, you know, I truly did want their input to co-create the solutions together, uh, while providing them some support and, you know, counsel along the way, the culture and the team mindset immediately shifted. And it built a level of confidence that they could also own the business and have decision rights to get better. And we did that. And so, you know, it taught me that everyone does not organically believe that they have the right or skills to create solutions. My mother, you know, she embedded that in me when I was growing up, but everyone didn't have that same same experience. So extending that grace and physically telling them that, you know, I had the confidence in them to make those decisions, I think was very key. And you can't innovate effectively without that. We must include those knowledge workers to help inform what's important, uh, what worked, and more importantly, what didn't work uh, in the past, and then figure out how we leverage their ideas to help shape the future. Okay, I'm like just about ready to explode because you just so perfectly summarized like the deep, deep value at Live Girl and inclusive leadership. Like what you just described, like you mm-hmm. as an inclusive leader, um, really leveraging all voices and you, the term you used co-create is so powerful. Um, mm-hmm. But really, truly, I mean, there's just so much research and, and science now around the importance of diversity and how diverse teams and how that leads the bottom to a better bottom line, right? Diverse teams are more productive. They're more engaged. Um, they're more profitable. Uh, they're more creative and innovative. And you just described that so perfectly. So thank you. That was like a masterclass and why we need inclusive leaders. Um, and speaking of inclusive leaders, you are the national chair of the Women of Color ERG at PepsiCo, which is a significant, important role. Could you share some of the initiatives or accomplishments of the ERG? And just for our listeners who may not know, kind of talk about what is an ERG um, and, and talk about you know why you're why you're so committed to this role. Absolutely. So an employee resource group is a network of support, is how I like to just generally term it, right? Um, it really keys on keys yeah. in on people that have similar um either interest, um or, you know, attributes, things like that, where they really want to build a network of where they can feel a sense of belonging to be able to go and just be themselves uh, and have a safe space. And so our, I'm, I'm extremely proud to be the chair for our National uh, Women of Color Employee Resource Group. And I am equally proud of my women of color leaders uh, that serve on my, you know, national division sector and field leadership teams to help drive and uphold our mission, uh, which is to assist PepsiCo in identifying strategies uh, to increase women of color representation, to provide meaningful career opportunities, and then to elevate our women of color worldwide. And so I thank them because we really can't make it happen without them being their day-to-day supporting our women Um, So just a huge shout out to my tribe. Uh, But, you know, we have strategy that's centered on people, culture, community and business. 
uh, with multiple programming and partnerships to really enable each of those pillars. Um, this year, I participated in a global women in STEM panel sponsored by our PepsiCo Global Strategy and Transformation Organization, uh, representing women of color. And we had over 2,000 participants across 60 countries that joined in to just hear about, you know, the importance of women and women of color in this impactful field. And so um, you really can't be what you can't see, right? So this really opened doors for that visibility and that promise for a lot of women. Um, and then, you know, we do other things as well. Uh, we send personal welcome letters to our new women of color associates so they have a ready-made family. Uh, we support Talent Act and recruiting. Um, huge shout out to Shanae Walker and our PFNA leaders. They just led an amazing uh, Brave conference uh, that was connecting women of color in executives and emerging talent across the U.S. For yeah, so it was it was amazing. So our chapters are are definitely involved uh, in all the great work. Hmm. Yeah, I think that mentorship and that community that you're actively building is so important like I love how you just said that you actually send a welcome letter so it's not that each individual has to seek you out but you're already there you're already providing the space I think that's so important going back to inclusive leadership and building you know and co-creating as you said in the way that we all strive to do I think that's incredible that we're yeah. And Olivia, too, I think the other piece of it, like just thinking about some of the other great work, like our different chapters, New York has a blue tabletop. So similar to red tabletop, but they create a, a safe space for like cultural dis discussions. Right. And, you know, Chicago has a recognition platform to shout out and help, you know, our women of color celebrate success because we don't often do that for ourselves. Uh, right. And then our West Division is really just doubling down in the community overall, similarly to our national approach there, um, as well as sampling with our business partners. So we make sure we keep it internal and we also make sure that we extend um, to our external community partners as well. Yeah. And that really does play a vital role in career growth. Um, and so you've said all these examples of ways that you as, you know, groups um, help women like lean into your spaces, but how do individuals maybe um, in places that don't make, like don't do such a good job as bringing people in, how do they lean into female and other minority affinity spaces like an ERG to cultivate these roles and this development? Yeah, I would say, you know, Start start at the core. So for us, we actually had a multi-layer leadership approach. So at our plant locations, at our sales locations in the field, we have women of color leaders there that you can reach out to. Mm -hmm. So building a network of leadership and support is first, right? Because yeah. oftentimes, and I'll speak for women of color, you know, you may be the only person that that looks like you in your location. And so just visibility to where others are can make a huge difference. Right. And you don't necessarily have to sign up to be a leader. You can just say, hey, I need support in X. 
or this is something that I'm really interested in, you know, can we tag team it and figure out how do we go and lean into our national strategy? Because the good news with the national layer is that you don't have to recreate the wheel, right? So you can tag, tap into existing programming um, and build again, your local tribe to be able to go and, and activate. And then you can create it in a way where if we have something going on in Atlanta, we have something going on in Chicago, we're still connected across the miles, which is really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, I love that point, April, that the network doesn't have to be in your physical space, right? And I noticed from your bio that you're also a member of the Delta Sorority and the Network of Executive Women. So you clearly have sought out female affinity spaces over your lifetime and career. And I, I just, I agree. And I, I hope that you know, the young women listening take away from this to really seek those those spaces out. It, they don't have to be in your physical space, but once you're able to connect in, it really opens up a whole new sense of belonging wherever you are. Um, so I, I love that advice so much. Um, all right. So this is, I, I could keep talking for a long, long time because I feel like you're providing a masterclass and in inclusive leadership and also in like women's resource groups. Um, but just transitioning, to, we have a closing speed round. We always like to ask some fun questions at the end for our audience to get to know you a little better. Um, so I'll ask the first one, which is what's one gender stereotype that you want to smash? That you can be, you can be sensitive and tough at the same time. Mm, yes. Love I love Absolutely. that. <laughs> Fran Hauser is listening. Myth of the nice girl. Absolutely. <laughs> That's exactly right. You can be a good bad girl. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and our next one is who is inspiring you right now? Ah, so my mother always. So mm. thank you both for just the opportunity. I think this in itself is expiring, but my mom has is, is always been my number one inspiration. Uh, right now, Coco Golf, uh, fellow oh, ATL. That's right. Uh, and tennis. oh, yeah. She's well, the amazing. now of tennis. The now of tennis. <laughs> the now. That's exactly right. And uh, wild card, Deion Sanders. I think he's shaking things up and defying the odds in a pretty special way. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's a part of my inspiration uh, team right now. I'm not, I'm actually not much of a football fan, but like I, I'm, I'm subjected to it because I have two sons and a husband. <laughs> there but you go. I love what he's doing right now. Wow. And I love how he's using his platform. I'm, yes. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. That's exactly right. It's so much bigger than football. Yeah, absolutely. And our last question, what are you obsessed with right now? So right now I am obsessed with uh, the users of, of my new app um, that just launched. Um, oh, she has another career. It was <laughs> yes, yes. I just tell launched. Us, tell the us, tell us. First, yes. Yeah, so it's the first AI AR enabled selling app for uh, Frito Lay North America's selling organization. So extremely obsessed by that. We launched uh, two weeks ago and uh, obsessed with all the great feedback and user engagements that we're having. I'm actually leaving today to go to California for some more uh, user engagement sessions. So totally obsessed. (laughs) Wow, that is really cool. That is okay. April, you're the real deal. Like, tell yeah. you, oh my God, we do everything. Thank you, thank app. you. Wow. Yeah, and shout out to my team who helped make it happen. Um, 
it has truly been a collective effort, but my team is a team of rock stars. And I, I just, again, you talk about inclusive leadership. We did it together. So I'm, I'm just grateful for them and grateful for all the partnerships to, to bring it to bright. Amazing. Well, April, thank you for this time and this masterclass. I honestly, I hope that everyone listens to this episode and re-listens maybe a couple of times because there's just so much to take in and take note of from this conversation. You are, mm-hmm. you are the real, you are an inspiration. Mm-hmm. So thank, thank you, you. Thank you for taking the time to share your perspective with our community. And, um, you know, ho- hopefully we'll be able to get you back soon, maybe in person sometime for a big leader- leadership summit or something. <laughs> I'd love that. I'd love that. Great work. Thanks for everything that you're doing for our community. 